this morning. Welcome. You are in the Making Jesus Known seminar. So my name is Jazz Potter and this is Rob Turbett and today we are going to be looking uh, at our stories which sounds a bit weird but we're going to share because you're all here aren't you to find out how to make Jesus known and the thing that both Rob and I do is tell people about Jesus. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to hand straight over to Rob. So Rob is a local leader. He leads a church in Attleborough which is 20 minutes away. Anyone here from Athelborough? Oh, look. Rob, you've got a posse here. They're over there. Um, it's about 20 minutes away. And Rob has been doing New Day for many, many, many years. And he was responsible for the outreach that took place in Norwich many years ago. But more than that, this is what I know of Rob. Rob takes every moment that he possibly can and every opportunity to tell someone about who Jesus is. And his story is well worth listening to. Thanks, Jazz. So my story is that I was a full-on church kid. I would go to church twice on a Sunday. My dad was like an elder in a Baptist church. My mum used to play the piano. Um, Sunday evening after the second church service, we'd often have a youth group. I would go on a Friday. So I, I was really great raised in like a full-on Christian home. And... Um, it's a bit noisy in here, isn't it? Um, and basically, um, I was quietly sceptical about everything I was hearing about Jesus and church. And I was really embarrassed of Christianity. So I would um, go, when I went to school, in our IRE lessons, they would ask us if anyone um, went to church. And I would either put up my hand and go bright red and feel really embarrassed or I wouldn't put up my hand, and I'd feel really bad that I didn't. I just thought the whole thing of Christianity was really lame and really embarrassing. And I was also, I had these doubts. And my parents invited me to, um, took me, we, you know, I was full-on church kid, so we would go to lots of camps, things a little bit like New Day. And um, I remember going to a camp, and the person speaking was the first Doctor Who. Um, the, sorry, the son of the first Doctor Who. He was called pa Mark Troughton. His dad was called Patrick Troughton, the first Doctor Who. And he's, he was a pastor. His dad was Doctor Who, but he was a pastor. And he gave a series of talks on the evidence for the Christian faith. And I remember sitting through these talks, and they were really good. And I remember getting to the end of these talks and thinking, oh, at the end of the week thinking, this is terrible. I think Christianity is actually true because I really didn't want it to be true. I was so embarrassed of um, church and everything. And so I, for about a year, I kind of lived this lie where I was persuaded that Christianity was true, but I was still so embarrassed that I just didn't want to become a Christian. And I used to go to church services, and I used to always hate the worship, um, because the worship, I'd feel this conflict, like, I want to join in, but I don't. Um, and God got me. One, um, the weekend my brother got baptized, he got baptized and I remember thinking, oh, this is terrible. My brother's become a Christian. It means I'm going to have to think about it again. And um, I remember sitting through my brother's baptism service and, um, and I felt the Holy Spirit. And I started shaking. Now, I went to a Baptist church where this was not like a very normal thing to do. And um, we had our songs on sheets and I remember I was shaking and I was next to my brother's non-Christian friend. I remember thinking, this is so embarrassing. What's going on with me? What's wrong with me? And he had to take the sheet off my hand because we couldn't read the words together when we were sharing. And I remember getting out of my brother's baptism service thinking, 
Phew, I've made it. I'm still not a Christian. My brother's got baptized, but I just, I don't want to be a Christian. And then the next day, we had a praise party in someone's, after, in, we had a praise party in someone's house, and it was terrible because the worship was really good. It was so good. And, and God was speaking to me through the worship. And there was a song, and the words for it were, I don't know why, I can't see how, your precious blood could cleanse me now, when all this time I've lived a lie with no excuse, no alibi. And those words like cut to my heart. And I I went home and I said, God, I give up. I give up trying not to be a Christian. I'm yours. Something like that. And so that's the start of my journey. And I guess I share that because a really important part of me stepping out in evangelism was I, I was deeply convinced that Christianity was true. I had wrestled with my doubts. I had <laughs> wrestled with my fears. And, and that's actually a really important part of becoming effective at sharing your faith, is becoming convinced that Christianity really is true. Not just true for me, like, oh, this is good for me, this is my thing, but true for everyone. The other thing that happened to me when I started to become a Christian, uh, when I became a Christian, was worship. And um, I, I'm from the days where we used to have CDs. Anyone know about these things? These little discs, yeah? You put the, put the, yeah, well, someone knows about a CD. Well, I used, I used to have a CD player in my room. And I used to get worship CDs. And I used to put these on in the evening when I, when I was your age. And I, would, and I would shut my eyes and put my hands in the air and I would mouth along to the words. I didn't want my parents to hear, because um, I, I didn't want them to know what I was doing. And I'd shut the window so the noise wouldn't travel to their room. And I'd spend my evenings and I'd worship Jesus. And let me tell you, something happened to me in that bedroom. Because I experienced a joy and a wonder in Jesus. And I, I remember having moments of joy where I thought, do you know what, there's nothing like this. There's, no, there's nothing better than this. I know this is the best. And as I experienced joy, just worshipping Jesus to my CD player, I started to think, yeah, but what about all the people out there? What about my friends? They don't know this joy. They need to know this joy. And so for me, another real part of, becoming evan- of, of stepping out in evangelism was just enjoying Jesus for myself. And I came across this quote later that really kind of summed up what I experienced. It's Rick Warren. He said this, This is the starting point of every ministry, to feel loved by God, not to know it, but to feel it. This is the starting point of every renewal, every great awakening, every revival. You know, a miserable Christian really makes a terrible evangelist. You've got to enjoy Jesus for yourself. The other thing that happened to me that kind of birthed my heart to share Jesus um, and set it ablaze was I started reading books. I remember reading a book called Run Baby Run by Nikki Cruz. Has anyone read that book? that book did something to me. It's this story about somebody who was like a gang member on the streets of New York getting saved and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember reading about this guy getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And they didn't talk much about that in the church I grew up in. I remember thinking, wow, I want that. And he spoke in tongues. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I want that. And so that set off this fire in my heart to seek God. And I thought, I need power. If I'm going to tell people about Jesus, I need power. So I used to spend my evenings in my bedroom asking God to, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, asking, asking for this thing called speaking in tongues. This sounds good. And I, I read, I've read a few other books. One was called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. Has anyone read that? It's another great book. 
And Jazz is going to be talking about Jackie's story in, in the session tomorrow. And I remember reading about that story of her being filled with the Holy Spirit and thinking, that's what I want to happen to me. And so, in a way, that's how my journey began, becoming convinced that it really was true, experiencing joy in worship, and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was, it was a day where I, I lost a friend for being a Christian. It was the first hard thing that ever happened to me as a Christian. Um, somebody found out that I was a keen Christian, and they started to treat me really differently. And I remember finding that really hard and coming home and thinking, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. And I tried to pray, and out of my mouth came this sound. And I thought, this is weird. I'm trying to pray, but I don't know what to say. And this sound came out of my mouth, and it wasn't English. And I kept trying to speak. And then I started to speak these strange words. And I was like, wow, I think I know what this is. This is what I've been asking God for for these months. This is speaking in tongues. And God filled me with power. And, and I remember feeling just filled with joy. I remember like going into my bathroom, speaking in tongues, looking in the mirror. I remember going, like walking around, staying up really late that night, and I just spoke in tongues, just feeling joy. I remember feeling joy in my fingers and feeling joy in my toes and thinking, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, it was, it was life-changing for me. And so those were the sort of, that, that was the start. And so I started to tell my friends at school about Jesus I'd never really seen someone become a Christian. I thought it was a really cool idea, but I didn't know of anyone in our church that had actually become a Christian um, or had much of a story about becoming a Christian, certainly not anyone my age. And so I started to tell my friends about Jesus, and I started inviting them to things. So I invited my friend to something that was a bit like New Day. Um, it's called Spring Harvest, but like all ages, and we went to that. And I invited um, my friend to hear someone who was an evangelist called J. John. Some of you might have heard of J. John. And he did a series of talks in our town, and I invited him to come. And um, I, I had the joy of seeing three of my friends at school age um, saved and baptized. Didn't do anything really special. I just started inviting them to things and started answering their questions. And we had a bit of fun. And one of the things that we did was, one of the things that was quite important was, is I found a really good Christian friend, and her name was Sarah, and she was really keen on Jesus. And it was like our friendship gave us a bit of courage that we were going to tell other people about Jesus. So we started to talk about other people becoming Christians. We started to talk about the people we wanted to see saved. And we started to come up with plans, and we started to pray together for our friends. And just having that one person who was my age in my school who was a Christian, who was keen as well, just gave me that bit of courage. And um, we came up with this crazy idea. We were like, why don't we come up with an event and invite all our friends to hear about Jesus? So we asked the deacons of our Baptist church, and we said, we want to tell our friends about Jesus. Can we use the hall? They said, yeah, you can use the hall. So we hired the hall. And we got some people that we knew to come and, and share their testimonies. And we, we planned some discussion times. And we invited everyone that we knew. And we tried to get everyone, that we, everyone else in our youth group to invite other people. And we were so excited. There were about 50 people there. And we think about 30 of them were non-Christians. And do you know what happened when we arrived? We arrived at our Baptist church. And there was graffiti on the, back, on, the, on the wall of the Baptist church. Someone had spray-painted quite badly in a bit of a rush, F off, you Jesus creepers. And you know what? We were thrilled. We were like, we're being persecuted for Jesus. 
This is so exciting. The devil must be really annoyed if he's getting someone to spray paint on the church for the first time in its history. It was so exciting. And we, we got them to come. And that was, that was the start. And I had the thrill of, of one of my friends. One of my friends at something like New Day, he came and just God started to move in his life. And we started to talk. And he, and he started to respond. And it was absolutely thrilling. And, 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 and then I went to university. And um, at universities, they have these things called Christian unions. And everyone said, oh, it's really important to get involved in a Christian union. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I thought it was the coolest thing because there were tons of other people who were Christians and, like, owned it. And so in our university, we had about 100 to 150 people, like my age, who gathered once a week at a Christian union. I thought, this is so exciting. And we just started to invite, I just started to invite people to things and get involved in that. And um, in my hall, there was like nine of us. There's like a little flat where like nine of us lived. It was, all, it was all guys, and we all lived together in this flat. And the first week of Christian Union, there were like a couple of us. The end of the first year, about six out of the people in our hall had, were starting to come to Christian Union. It was so exciting. It was like this opportunity to invite people to talk about Jesus. But you know what? I learned some things there about writing people off. So I had a friend in my hall called James. And um, he was, like, um, really awkward when I brought up the subject of Christianity. And he came into my room, and I had all these Christian books all, like, on my bookshelf. And he was, he was just really awkward. And like, so whenever I brought up what I was doing or Christian Union, he just seemed really uncomfortable. And so I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to be really sensitive. I'm going to be really thoughtful. I can tell he's not interested, and he doesn't want to know about Christianity. So I never talked to him about it, and I never invited him to anything. And do you know what happened? About a year later, he became a Christian through someone else. So my other friend started inviting him, and he became a Christian. He came up to me, and he said, Rob, I, was really, I felt really left out when you stopped inviting me to Christian Union. I wanted to come, but you didn't invite me. And that really taught me something about not writing people off, the other thing that I learned in my early days was about finding my own way in terms of sharing the gospel. So I, I, I went to visit a guy who was like a known evangelist. He's not alive now, and he's called John, but he was called John Wright, and he's a, he was an evangelist in Norfolk. Now, John Wright, is, he, is, he was a crazy evangelist. He was always trying to tell people about Jesus. And... Um, I went to see him, and I took another friend of mine, and we were like, let's go and learn from this guy who's always telling people about Jesus. So we went to his house, the most amazing house, and he said, right, boys. He gave us a little talk, and he said, right, boys, I'll show you how it's done. And he got us in his car, and he drove, we'll go to Sainsbury's, and he drove us to Sainsbury's. And we like, what are we going to do? We're going to start telling people about Jesus. Now, John had this crazy way of sharing the gospel, which is that he used to sing to people. So he would just walk up to let random like old ladies and he'd just start singing them like love songs. Do you know you are loved? And it would be like traditional kind of like love songs. And he would just start singing to these ladies. So he'd just walk up to them and start singing. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing. And so he would start singing to them. And I remember this, there was this lady and, and they would just sort of smile and listen to him. And, th- and then he'd say, Madam do you know that you're, you have a father in heaven 
who sings love songs over you. He's changed this young man's life, Rob. He's going to tell you now all that, all that God's done in his life. Over to you, Rob. And I'd be like, ah! <laughs> but it worked. It was so weird. He would sing these love songs to these people and uh, these ladies, and they would, they would smile, and then he would get them to listen. And, and, and then he, he, put, he put, put me and my friend on the spot, and we just started telling these people our story of what Jesus had done in our life. And um, we did this with him for about half an hour. And then he said, right, boys, you've seen how it's done. Off you go now and you do it. So we drove into the center of Norwich. There's a park above, um, like near the castle. And me and my friend went. And there was a lady um, walking along. And I thought, right, here I go. I've got to start singing love songs to this woman because that's how we do evangelism. So I just sort of walked up, and I started to sing, but I didn't really commit, and, and, and I started to sing, and then I went quieter, and then I turned around again, and I was like, Lord, I can't do it. I can't just sing to random people. I can't, I can't be an evangelist. I can't do it. So I just sat down on a bench and just prayed, and there was someone else on the bench, and God just opened up this amazing conversation without me really doing anything. I just sat next to this person and they started to ask me, they were reading the newspaper and they started to ask me some questions about me and I don't even know how it happened but we started to talk about Jesus and we started to share the gospel and he started to ask me questions about what I believed and I thought, wow, this is amazing. It's just happening. And um, he turned to me at the end of the conversation, he had to go and I just shared, you know, honestly, some of the things that I knew and he said to me, do you know what, this conversation has given me a better impression of Christianity than anything else in my entire life. And I was like, whoa. And at that moment, I, thought to, I remember thinking to myself, I think God let him say that just to encourage me because <laughs> I needed to hear that. And that was one of the things that I kind of really learned from that moment was it's about finding your own way. I, I, I'm not John Wright. I, not, I can't sing to old ladies in the street and get them to listen to me so that they'll hear about Jesus. But Jesus honors having a go and being available. And so what I started to do from that day was I'd started to go to places and I would just say, Lord, if there's anyone here who wants to hear about Jesus, or that, that you, you can send them my way. Lord, I'm going to be available. And so what I started to do was just go to places and be available. I remember once I was asked to um, speak to a group of leaders on evangelism. And um, I was feeling like a bit of a fraud because I hadn't spoke to en- spoken to anyone about Jesus for ages. So I got up that morning and I said, Lord, it would be really great if you could line it up that I could talk to someone about Jesus today so that I won't feel like such a fraud when I talk to these like, leaders in the evening about evangelism. And um, I prayed that and then I, I went to a cafe and I was doing my reading, preparing to write a talk for something. And I was in a room, in a section of the cafe, and there was a lady in the corner, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, there you are, Rob, have a go. And I said something like this in prayer. I said, Lord, I've changed my mind. I'm not feeling it today. And so I turned to my Bible, and I started to make notes. Now, you should know the Bible is not a safe place to hide when you're resisting the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So after about an hour of disobedience, I shut my Bible, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll talk to her, but what do I say? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, just say hello, I'll do the rest. And I was like, oh, well, I can do that. So I looked up from my Bible and I said to this lady, 
hello. And she said, hi, are you a Christian? Is that a Bible? And I said, yes. And she said, I've never met a Christian before. And I said, you've never met a Christian before? She said, no, my family aren't Christian. The people I work with aren't Christian. And um, no one at school I remember being, was, remember being a Christian. Maybe if I'd met a Christian, I'd be a Christian. Right. So if you've never met a Christian before, like, do you want to like, find out a bit more? Why don't you like, maybe come and join my table? I can, I can share. And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I said, okay, come on then. So she sat on my table. And I was like, well, shall I just start at the beginning then? She was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I, I started at the beginning and just talked about how God created the world and why Jesus came. And, and in this conversation, I kind of realized I want her to know that like, she can go to church even though she's not a Christian because like, she clearly doesn't know anything. And um, so I said to her, you know, like, church is a great place to go if you want to find out more. It's not just Christians that go to church. Like I told her, there's a guy, he's your age, he's called Michael, and he told me the other day he's 60% a Christian. And she went quiet at that point. She went, 60%. Before I met you, I was 0%. But now I'm 5%, maybe 10%. And do you know what? (laughs) That made me think, how many people are there in our world like her, like in our nation? Like probably a lot more than we think. They don't know anyone who's a Christian, but they'd like to know. And out of that experience, I started to get this passion for, like, how do we reach people who, who like, actually don't have friends who are Christians? Like, don't really have the opportunity. How do we reach them? And by this point, I was leading a church, and I remember, like, being, like, half awake and having this idea, like, why don't we do a one-question survey of our community? Why don't we ask everyone, like, what's the thing in life they find hardest to handle? What's the thing that hurts the most? And then why don't we like, do all our sermons on what people say, and, like, then invite everyone to come. And I was like, will that work? And I I wasn't sure. Like, I I shared the idea with someone else, and they thought it was a good idea, and we gave it a go. And um, we've got about 400 people in our community who answered this one-question survey anonymously, and they, and then we invited them and sent publicity to every home in our town. And, um, and, and some of the things that we were going to talk about were family, because people wrote about like, the pain of like, family life breaking down. We, did a talk on, we were going to do a talk on that. And one, one talk was about death, because a lot of people have talked about how they, they struggled facing bereavement. And um, we had a, uh, this, card, this card inviting people to come was delivered to everyone in our town. And um, we didn't know whether anyone would come, but it, fell on the, it fell, 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 went through the letterbox of one couple called John and Rita, And um, Rita later said that when I saw that you were doing a talk about the pain of family life, I knew we had to come. And so they came to our church service. They came to an alpha course that we were running. And um, they met with Jesus. And I remember Rita, like, taking me aside when this was all happening and saying, Rob, ever since I've come to your church, I feel like a brand new person. That was a good day when she said that to me. And they got baptized, and, and Jesus changed their lives. And... One of the things that I guess I learned in that period was just God honors it when we have a go, even if we think, even if it's not that special or amazing what we do. We once had this um, 
like banner inviting people to an alpha course. And alpha is like an introduction to Christianity. It's a great thing for people who are not Christians to do. I think everyone should do an alpha course. And um, we, 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 we had a banner and we put it up in the center of our town and they cut it down because they decided it was too Christian. We'd gotten permission, but they kind of changed their mind. And so we're like, what are we going to do with this banner? And so what we did was we put it outside our house. Now, this banner was so big, it covered up my office window. And so it, like, I had to work in semi-darkness for about a month. But we had this massive banner, and we put it outside our house. And um, this couple came to our Alpha course, and, I, and the first day they turned up, I couldn't believe it. They were our neighbors. I was like, wow, like, how, how have you come? And they said, well, all my life I felt God pursuing me. But when I saw that you had an, uh, that when there was an alpha banner outside your house, we walked past it every day. I knew we had to come to alpha, and God and God worked in their lives, and that was exciting too. Okay, well let me let me just finish with a couple of little stories. You know, evangelism and sharing with gospel and telling people about Jesus is probably one of the most disappointing and rewarding things I've ever been involved in at the same time. You know, it's so disappointing because you're always wanting more people to be saved. You're always wanting um, everyone to come to Jesus. And there's always people that don't. But it's also the most rewarding and exciting thing that I've ever been involved in. Because I've had the privilege of sitting on park benches and telling people about Jesus. I've had the joy of seeing people cry tears of repentance saying that they love Jesus and they want to know him. And, and nothing really compares to help introducing somebody to the person of Jesus. And, and so it's that weird mixture. It's that weird mixture of being something that is um, so rewarding and yet so disappointing all in one. And one of the things that I've learned is that you just have to keep going. You just have to be patient. People need time. A lot of, you know, I love it when people become Christians in about five seconds. And I've seen that happen where God just seems to zap them. We had someone in our church who literally went into the pharmacy, met Jesus, and turned up at our church and said, I met Jesus in the pharmacy. And we were like, what does he even mean? How do you meet Jesus in the pharmacy? But he'd had some experience of God, and he came to our church, and, and he just became a Christian. And it was like one of those things where you're like, wow. But in my experience... It's not always like that. A lot of people just need love and a bit of time. Um, uh, we've got someone in our church now who's a Christian, and they um, did two Alpha courses, they, one when they were a teenager, one where they were older with us. And I had this period of time where I thought, we've got loads of men in our church who are like, uh, not Christian but married to Christians. And I thought, I want to do something for them. So I came up with this idea. Let's, do, let's call it Beer and Bible. And so we'll have a beer um, and we'll, we'll do a Bible study. And so we invited people to beer and Bible. And I think I invited about 21 men that I knew who might be interested. And we, we ha- each, week we, each week we had a different beer from a different nation. So we had Indian beer one week and then American beer the other week and, and with different snacks. And then we did a Bible study, an evangelistic Bible study. We had about five guys come out of the 21 that I invited. And um, there was one guy who, who came on the course, and he'd already been on two Alpha courses, 
And we did one Bible study with the beer and Bible course. And then we did the second one. And during the second one, I lent him a book. The Case for Christ. Because he started to say, I want to believe, but I'm not sure it's actually true. So I lent him this book. And um, he came back the next week. And I thought, you look different. He just was answering the questions differently. His face, facial expressions looked different. And I remember thinking, I think he's become a Christian. So I took him out for a drink. I said, can we meet up? And we went for a drink. And I said, how are you doing? His name was Jason. I said, how are you doing? And he said, I've become a Christian. That book, The Case for Christ, had, had been the final thing that had kind of pushed him over the line. He, wa- he wanted to believe, but he wasn't sure whether it was true. He wanted to know the evidence and it pushed him over the line. And, and I guess that just taught me something. You know, he, he'd been, people have been sharing the gospel with, this, with Jason for over 10 years. His first, his first Alpha course that he'd done, he'd done as a teenager, his Alpha course that we'd done with us was over 10 years later. But we shouldn't give up on people. You know, that, I, I think that's one of the things that, the, 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 one of the things that is a bit of a lost art when it comes to evangelism, is that sometimes it just takes a lot of time. And, we, and we've got to be patient with people. God was patient with me. I've got to be patient with others. Anyway, that's a bit of my story. Now I'm going to hand over to Jazz. Why don't you give her a big enthusiastic welcome. Jazz is awesome. Thank you, Rob. It was great listening to Rob, partly because we're so incredibly different. And the way that I do evangelism is massively different to the way Rob does it. But before we go on, I know that you kind of haven't, you've been sitting there for a few minutes. So I just want you to like poke somebody next to you. Before you do that, I also want you to say to them what you think your best gift is. It doesn't have to be a spiritual gift. It could be like running or high jump or uh, art or whatever it is. But just poke someone and say, this is my best gift. You might have two or three. Go for it. Okay, that only should have taken you a second. And now, before we do the next bit, I'm going to ask you a serious question, slightly more serious. Is there a desire in your heart to want to make Jesus known? Is there a desire to want to tell other people about Jesus? Like there's silence in the room, so like I need you to respond. Is there a desire? Thank you. Thank you. Is there something in your heart that beats to want to tell other people about Jesus and to see people come to know him? Yeah, cool. And you're in the right room, which is great. Okay, the next question I want you to answer, and you can poke a different person this time around, and you can tell them your friend or friends that you hang out with the most who do not yet know Jesus, if you would do that. For me, if I'm going to share about evangelism and talk about how best to win people to Jesus, I genuinely think that it is one life at a time through genuine, authentic, real friendships. And, um, and that's why I asked you, you know, who do you know, who do you hang out with that, with people that don't yet know Jesus? Because you are you, therefore, that person that you hang out with, you are uniquely placed, you are best placed to tell that person about who Jesus is. Not just tell them, but to show them who Jesus is. And you are most uniquely placed to literally take their hand 
and put it into the hands of Jesus, who puts it into the hands of God. Are we up for that? So I'm going to share a little bit of my story. I just need to check. What time do we finish? Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to be very brief in my story. As you can tell, I'm Indian. I wasn't even born in the UK. I was born in North India in an area called Punjab. And if you guys know anything, if you come from Punjab, you will be a Sikh. So my family was Sikhs. And, we, and I was born in this piddly little village that no one's heard of. If you look on the map of India, it's like it's smaller than a speck. And somehow, my family ended up moving to London. I grew up in Wimbledon, which is like a really nice place to get to grow up. But when I arrived, not very much long after I arrived, my father died. And suddenly, my mum was left with me, a toddler, and my seven-month-old brother in a country where she couldn't speak the language. When we finish, we want to cheer like that, just to, just to be clear. Actually, no, God can have that cheer. And... Um, in a country where she didn't speak the language. But she chose to stay here. And in choosing to stay here, she got involved with the local Sikh temple, and we went to temple all of the time. That was my life. I either went to school or I went to temple. Except this, there was a local church in Wimbledon who, on Wimbledon Common, have you heard of Wimbledon Common? Wombles, yeah? They used to run a one-week holiday club every year. And because it was free childcare, my mum used to send me and my little brother. And uh, so I love it when churches run holiday clubs. I think it's a great way of serving the community and providing free childcare. And um, every year, someone would say to me, do you want to become a Christian? Because like, that was the main aim of this holiday club. And I'd always just look at them and go, no, thank you. I'm a Sikh. And I was quite arrogant as a Sikh. Now I go to temple. This is what I do. And I, I went from when I was five, I went when I was six and seven and eight. When I was 12 years old, on the very last day, Someone said to me, they changed the question. They said, do you want Jesus to be your friend? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit was at work. I couldn't have told you it was the Holy Spirit. I can tell you this now. But the Holy Spirit was at work. And I realized that Jesus was a real person. That he wasn't like this made-up story or this legend. He wasn't... um, like the Father Christmas story, just checking that nobody believes in Father Christmas. He wasn't like the tooth fairy. Tooth fairy doesn't exist either, just to be clear, in case you didn't know that. And um, he was actually real. And in discovering and in recognizing that he was real, it was literally like I had no choice but to ask Jesus to be my friend. Didn't even know what I was doing. But I was terrified. I remember saying, I can't tell my mum I've become a Christian. And they said to me, it's all right. God will give you the strength to tell your mum. But this is what happened in that moment. I literally knew I'd crossed the line. I'd gone from living in what I didn't know was black and white into technicolor. And my response to asking Jesus to be my friend was this. I got up and I rushed around all of the tents that were there because it was all tented. And I told anybody that would listen that I had just become a Christian. It was like birth. That desire to tell people about Jesus was birthed in that moment when I came to know Jesus. And I would not be surprised that if there's people in this room that have that same kind of desperate desire that will just tell anybody, I'm a Christian, I've just become a Christian. I don't know what happened in that moment when you became a Christian, but I hope that you told someone that you had become a Christian. But I genuinely think that the best way to lead people to Jesus is, or one of the best ways to lead people to Jesus is through genuine 
relationship and genuine friendship. So in the very short time that we've got left, I want to tell you two quick stories. They both take a long time in terms of their, their, the length that it took to happen. The first one is my friends Mick and Elaine. So you can sit comfortable, you can chill out and just relax for this story. My friends Mick and Elaine. When, when I first got married, we moved on to the middle of a council estate. And my husband Tim and I decided that we needed to make some friends. So we made some friends with like the local important people on the estate. Like they held the keys to the estate. Everybody knew who they were. They were like proper, real and earthy. And they were, they were quite a bit older than us. But Tim and I were like, they're the key people on this estate. We want to be their friend. Who are the key people in your schools and in your colleges and in your neighborhoods? Are you friends with them? Have you gotten to know them? Are you hanging out with them? Are you hanging out with the people that actually hold quite a lot of influence in your community and uh, anyway so we became friends with Mick and Elaine and we'd, we'd, we'd like go to their house for like barbecues and they'd come to us we'd celebrate their birthdays um, and at one point Elaine decided that she wanted to run the local residents association so we supported her doing that and she was nice about the church because she had to be she wanted our vote and uh, so she was always nice about it and she came a couple of times to church just to check it out because she thought she said she'd and after about being friends with her for about eight years and supporting her in everything that she did, she um, became sick and she became agoraphobic, which means that she couldn't leave her house. So I'd still go around visiting her. And after a couple of years of doing this and listening to all the stuff that was going on in her world, and you've got to bear in mind that we didn't have much in common, I said, what can I do to help you? And she went, well, Jazz, I like crafting. So just for her, I set up a little craft group. It was me and her and two other ladies from my church. And I'd go around on a Wednesday afternoon. I'd pick her up. I'd drive around the corner because she could manage that. We'd craft for the afternoon. And then I'd take her back home again. And while we were crafting for the afternoon, this is what would happen. The women would talk about all the different things going on in their lives, particularly church. Do you know, I used to talk a lot about New Day because I was always making something or creating something or doing something for New Day. And so I'd always be on some sort of project. And she'd hear about the church. And after about four years of doing this, I'm not exaggerating, this took time, she suddenly one day said to me, Jazz, I think I'd like to go to church on Sunday. And like inside, like, oh, if you, oh, I was like, oh, if you like, you know, it's been really casual. And like inside, I'm like, yes, finally, she's asked to come to church. I said, would you like me to pick you up? She goes, no, I'll bring myself. And I was like, she's not going to turn up. But you know, on Sunday, she turned up with her husband. Her husband couldn't walk in. He was absolutely in agony, had bad back. And during the morning, there was a word of knowledge about a bad back. And so Mick got prayed for, completely freaked out, totally healed. He thought the whole church was spooky, didn't know what to make of it at all. And anybody he met that week, he was like, I went to that church. It's spooky. My back got healed. Anyway, they came back the following week and the week after and the week, and it went on for a few months. And finally in the October, so maybe six months later, Elaine's in her room and she says this. So we're like 10 years into this story, and I'm trying to tell it in 10 minutes. 10 years into this story, she suddenly says this in her room. Jesus, I've been using your facilities for quite a while now. I think I'd like to get on your bus. And that was her prayer of commitment. I don't know why she chose that, but she chose the bus. And the day after, I was driving her home, and this is what happened. She was like, Jazz, 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 I've... Um, I sent Mick out to buy me a Bible. And like I didn't tell her 
that she needed a Bible. But she had, she kind of knew that she needed to get a Bible. So she sent her husband out to get a Bible. She goes, Jazz, that, that thing that you do on Wednesday nights, which was life group. She's like, I need to join one of those. How do I join one of those? And I'm like, oh, okay, you can join one of those. And then she went, Jazz, Jazz, it's like I've been born all over again. And I'm like, I didn't tell her she'd become born again, but she had that experience of the Holy Spirit that showed her that she had become born again. It was really, oh, oh no, and then after that one, she said, and Jazz, how do I do that giving money thing? You know, she wanted to know that she wanted to give her money as well to church. It was so exciting. And a few weeks later, her husband also became a Christian on one Sunday morning at church. And as he gave his life to Jesus, he's crying streams of tears and he goes he's like in his 60s he's like jazz why have i waited this long to know jesus and he's just like and you know it was just such a beautiful moment to be able to pray with him and to see him come to know jesus and then for the last 10 years they lived and were part of our church growing and um, just enjoying god enjoying his favor and last january uh during covid elaine died and then a couple of months later mick died um 20 years of friendship, and it was heartbreaking for, for Tim and I um, as, as they both left. But they're in glory and enjoying Jesus forever without pain and without suffering. But actually, it's a beautiful and precious story that for the last 10 years of their lives, they got to enjoy Jesus and know Jesus and love Jesus, and their eternal destiny was changed forever. And today, they are just worshipping him. It's kind of cool, isn't it? It is cool, and I love that. But I, I told that story, and I took time to tell that story because it's about a genuine friendship, genuine people that we love, genuine people we cared about, and genuine people that we invested in, and they invested in us too. Uh, we definitely did a life together. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning is those people that you're friends with right now, you may not be friends with them in 10 years time. And that's okay because you're at a stage of your lives where you will move on and where you will do different things. But for today, for now, you are called to be the best friend that you can possibly be to those people. And being the best friend means that you're loving them, that you're caring for them, that you're praying for them, that you're standing in the gap for them. And when they are ready, that you tell them about who Jesus is. So my last story before we wrap up is this one. On a, um, one of the other things that I used to do in, in the church that I was, I've just changed churches, um, but in my church that I've just left, one of the things that I did was uh, be a street chaplain. So I'd go to all the shops every week and chat to all the people. And this went on for, for years. I did this for years and years and years. So I'd know all the people that worked in the local shops. It's a good thing that I enjoy shopping, so it wasn't a hardship. And I got to know all of our shopkeepers really, really well. And... Um, and, you know, at Christmas, we'd take them chocolates. And at Easter, we'd give them, like, a hot cross bun with a little napkin on. And, and I'd always, like, chat them, find out how their day was going and, and whatever. Got to be really good friends with them. And there was one, one day when I went in. I went into the local hairdressers. And uh, the woman that owned it, Carly, now, she just, she just was, like... She, her life is all about clubbing, having a good time, going out, enjoying herself, um, just just living life to the full. And it's the last person that I would ever imagine that really, you know, she'd, she'd be nice to me because she's, she's a nice lady, but she'd kind of tolerate me coming in and go, hi, Carly, how is it? And she's like, yeah, it's fine, Jazz. Except I walked in one day, this is after many years of being rocking up every week. I walked in one day and she just looked at me and she went, Jazz, 
what must I do to be saved? It was like completely out of the blue. And uh, the reason why she asked me was the day before she had been in London and she'd been at a conference and she'd come across a stand and the people there were like, they're like, they were like, Rob, they're like, there's an opportunity. I can tell people, I can tell somebody about, um, somebody about Jesus. So they were telling her all about Jesus and saying, you've got to be saved. You've got to be saved. But she was like, you guys are too weird. I can't understand what you're saying. I don't want to be friends with you. So the next day, she came to the one person that she knew who could tell her because I had a relationship with her and she trusted me. And she was like, what must I do to be saved? And for the next hour, I was in the hairdresser telling her about Jesus, but not only her, but the other hairdressers and the receptionists and all the people that were having the hair done got to hear about the kindness and the love of Jesus. How cool is that? Is that cool? All right, I'm going to draw to a close and um, uh, I'm going to pray for us. Is that all right? Yeah? Just, just the Holy Spirit. And I think, Rob, if you want to come up and pray as well and just, just allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to minister to you. Just begin to receive. You're not in this seminar by accident or by chance. You're in this seminar because actually the Holy Spirit wants to do something with you. And God has made your heart soft towards him. And he's made your heart soft to wanting to tell other people about Jesus. Like it's deep in your belly. It's a, it's a Holy Spirit moment. And so Holy Spirit, I pray, will you just come? Just come. We invite you here to really go deep this morning. To begin to minister to every person in this room that is wanting to find their own way of making you known. Father, I pray that even from this morning, that as we go from here, we would find that, that new words come out of our mouths as we want to tell our friends about Jesus, as we want to deepen our relationships. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit boldness to just go up to random people and tell them the truth of who you are. Just, just enjoy the Holy Spirit just for a moment. Just, just rest in him. I just um, feel like there might be some people here and you've had some bad experience. People have treated you badly for being a Christian. Um, if there's anyone here, and I don't know, it might be many of you, it might be just a few of you, but you've genuinely experienced... Um, mistreatment for being a Christian and maybe when you've tried to speak about Jesus you've had opposition if there's anyone in that situation I'd just like to invite you to stand doesn't have to be severe but if you've been treated badly because you've been a Christian then I'd like you to stand well I want to say something to all of you that are standing and any of you that should be standing, you have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. You are highly honored, and we just want to celebrate that, that God has counted you worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus and rejoice, because it's so wonderful that you have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. It is the most wonderful thing.